Hello and welcome back to another episode of Season 3 of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas, the podcast where I meet some of the leading figures in the insurance and insurtech space and bring you insights into their views and opinions on the sector, their career journeys, as well as a deeper look into the actual person behind the desk. In today's episode, I bring you another brilliant guest in Linda Cook, Group CIO at Chaucer. Linda's been working in technology for over 25 years now and a year ago joined Chaucer in a newly created CIO position. A year into the role and with two decades of technology leadership behind her, Linda and I talk about the challenges she's faced in taking on the top role in technology and how the learning she's taken from the last 20 years have helped shape how she's dealt with them as well as the new ways that she's learned more recently. She gives some brilliant advice to those just starting out in their careers, graduate and newbies into the sector, as well as those hovering at the levels below CIO. And we get to see how she shaped her career by taking sideways moves and always trying to be brave when taking risks in, in, in career moves. Linda was a brilliant guest and it was great to hear her talk about how her career has evolved and give an honest overview of the good and bad she's experienced along the way. Linda undoubtedly has some some really big challenges ahead in her current role, and I'm really excited to see how she flourishes over the next couple of years or so. So without further delay, let's get behind the desk with Linda Cook. Linda, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Mark. Who are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. As with all the, the, the start of the podcast, I always get people to, do, to give themselves a bit of an intro. So if, if you could tell the, the listeners who you are, your current role, and then we'll, we'll really get into it. So I'm Linda Cook, the group CIO of Chaucer, um, which is a specialty insurer. I've been in the company for a year and two weeks. I did say I was going to stop counting, but uh, yeah, just recently had the one year anniversary and prior to that, I was at uh, Chubb Insurance for 10 years. And then prior to that, I was at uh, Lloyd's Banking Group for 18 years. So I switched from banking to insurance. And in terms of how did I get started, I did a degree in biology, didn't use a computer to write my dissertation, had to get somebody else to even use the word processor. So really, my journey into technology was uh, kind of a happy accident, as I would describe it. Um, it was a school friend that was working for Lloyds Bank at the time and working in the infrastructure side, said they were looking for trainees. So I was persuaded to apply and thought, why not? I'm, I'm trying to get my first big grown-up job. I applied for it. They rang back and said, we haven't got any graduate positions left, but would you consider taking an IT trainee? Uh, so it's kind of a mixed Mixed feelings, you know, delighted to have been offered something, but mixed that it wasn't a graduate position. But I thought, what the heck, let's let's take it. I'm, I'm ready to do some, some work and see where we go with that. Uh, when I joined, there was actually 50% of us were graduates. And I started in service operations, you know, fixing the computers in the middle of the night, setting off the batch, opening up the chaps' connections to the outside world putting tapes on, tapes off. IT was quite manual back then. Anyway, that's that was my first foray into technology and uh, I soon realised that I really, really loved it. And each, each move with my career as I've worked through project management, little bit of coding, project management, service introduction, I suppose the majority of my career now has been geared around um, the relationship, business, technology, partner, manager, working with the business, understanding where they're going, how we can support from a technology perspective. So 
yeah, a bit of a happy accident, really. But one 29 years later, I look back on and, and think, brilliant, what, what a great and exciting uh, time to have joined technology even back then. Um, and yeah, goodness knows where we're going in the future, given what we're all talking about these days. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I'm amazed actually at how many people, certainly that I've interviewed on this podcast, kind of fell into technology. I, I think partly it's down to the kind of time that it was for most people that was in the kind of around the 90s and and uh, and so therefore technology wasn't necessarily identified as a as kind of a, a, a proper career for people because it, it was a bit of an unknown in, in a lot of areas but yeah I mean so, so did you have any interest I mean I, I'm, I'm guessing from the response you said about the fact that you didn't do your dissertation on the on a, on a word process or anything like that you had no real kind of interest as a child in technology or, or kind of kind of technology aware or anything like that it, it's just something that you kind of fell into and fa- fell fell in love with in your kind of 20s yeah I, I can remember one of the neighbors having a, a, a zx81 and my, my brother and i used to go around and you know type a few words in and then the screen would do something which we found amazing but that was probably my first introduction i've always been a person that wants to know how things work why things work that way i, I think you know doing a science degree really uh, gives you the similar sort of mindset um, and thought processes of trying to work out, you know, why do things like work work the way they work? Um, how, how, what are the options going forwards? How do we fix things? How do we make things better? So I suppose it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a curiosity that's within me. I must have been that really annoying child that just went, why, why, why? But yeah, my exposure to technology really started on on day one in 1995 when I was sat next to somebody that showed me what a PC was, what early days of email was. Yeah, so no no real exposure to it up to that point. So, so eighteen years at, at, at Lloyd's CSB. I mean, I know that um, from from doing my research before this, that there was a whole d- raft of different roles there. But you I mean it'd be interesting to know what the kind of evolution was there, and in, in regards to kind of what you started doing and and which kind of route you you took, because um, obviously the the route to a, to a kind of a CIO role is is different for everyone. It'd be it'd be kind of interesting to know how that evolved from there. So, did you go into kind of pure technical roles or did you move into management quite early how, how did that what did that evolution look like yeah so as, as i said i started in service operations and i had three years of of working on shift uh, days nights weekends and i i realized that you know i was i was looking to do something that was a little bit different to that given we were working on a tick tick list of yes i've kicked off the batch job yes i've closed down the links i've done this that and the other um, and I suppose the excitement came when something went wrong and, you know, you can't just sit around waiting for, for that excitement because in the main things didn't massively go wrong. So I explored opportunities to to move on to days, as we called it, so not having to do shift work. And, and I started doing a little bit of automation. Um, so I automated some of the back, some of the batch commands that you know I'd previously been sat there typing and ticking off on a on a clipboard from there I moved into what were the early days of um, service introduction which is about the transition of project to service so understanding what it's like to receive a brand new project delivery software delivery and then have to support that you know we knew that we if you didn't get the documentation if you didn't get the training you know, a project doesn't turn into a service very comfortably. 
So I had, you know, a number of years working in the area. So then gradually moving more towards um, the business partnering roles. So each each move, I got closer to, I suppose, the business and the requirements of what is it we needed to uh, deliver and what benefit and outcome was it going to have, have to the business. I did run some platform teams. So um, I, I ran the collections and recoveries team. I uh, helped set up uh, a brand new PEGA um, automation team and going through one of the biggest banking integrations um, was an amazing, amazing experience. And I don't think I'll ever experience anything that big ever again. So I moved in 2013 over to insurance. So um, I thought, right, I've, I'm, I'm done with banking in terms of got lots of experience, but I want to experience something different. And I felt that I wanted to apply my skills um, and the experiences that I had in the cousin of banking. But having moved to insurance, I'm not sure I'd call it a cousin. It's uh, yeah, it comes under financial services, but it's vastly different. Did you, did that? Um, that's interesting you say that because obviously after a long time working at the same business, I, I mean, look, I, I know Lloyd's is a huge organisation, um, businesses within businesses and divisions, etc. Um, but it's interesting. You, you, so, so you actually made that conscious decision to say, I, "I've kind of had enough of this industry. I want, I want to kind of test my skills and learn something new." And and so, did did you have other options when you were looking at that, or was insurance the kind of the the sole focus for you to to kind of move into? Well, it actually came about, Mark, through um, what we now label as sponsorship. So, um, it was an old boss that, of mine that had worked in insurance for a long time came and worked in banking, went back to insurance, and uh, two or three years later, uh, rang me up and said, would you consider, um, I've potentially got a new role coming up, would you consider applying for it? And I'd already made my mind up at that point that I needed to explore. So yeah, all, all those things aligned, and it was quite interesting during my interview process for making that transition. But a lot of the questions were around when you understand insurance, you understand banking. And it's like, I understand technology. That's that's my expertise. And my expertise is to understand your business sufficiently to be able to, uh, you know, apply the technology against that. I'd looked after many different departments in uh, Lloyds Bank and, you know, tax, finance, company secretaries, all sorts of different ones. So you quickly get to uh, learn the business, learn the lingo. Um, so, yeah, I, I was confident that I would uh, then be able to talk like an insurance person. How did you find that? Because I think, uh, look, obviously, in, in, in my line of work, there's there's that constant battle um, in insurance of kind of hiring people with domain knowledge, especially in technology, rather than technologists. Um, I, I, obviously, the way you put it brilliantly just then is that, that you're kind of you're an expert in technology and, and that and that's that's kind of fairly generic across industry that the, the, the extra 20 percent you need to learn around the business is should be the easy part but but I don't think that's necessarily a, a, an opinion that is always followed through in the insurance space so how how did you find that did you did you find it more, more difficult than you thought was it relatively straightforward and, and, and what, what's your kind of thoughts on the industry as a whole on, on kind of how how we integrate people from outside of the the sector yeah, I think for me, my, my transition, you have to work hard at it, right? So you have to work hard at understanding, you know, what does that 
three-letter acronym mean in the context of this organisation, in the context of this industry? And you have to ask a lot of those very basic questions. You probably don't get too many opportunities to ask those basic questions on a repeated basis because obviously then it's demonstrating it's not sinking in and, and you're not understanding the business. Um, so yeah, work hard at it, ask, ask the simple questions, absorb that, um, talk talk to your teammates within technology, but you know across the business as well. And if I look at my my own team, we've we've hired a number of individuals from outside of uh, insurance, um, so I'm still very open to that. Um, and I certainly think in some of the spaces that we're concentrating on now as an industry, we've got other industries that where they've been there, done it. Not just within the financial services, but uh, you know, into into retail, like big data, for example, within in the retail space, um, they've got a huge amount of um, experience and expertise to to bring into the insurance world. So, I think we, you know, we have to have a bit of an open mind, and I think there has to be a little bit of patience. But yeah, it's our our job as um, technology individuals to understand what's the purpose of what we're delivering. And that, therefore, is really about understanding the business. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think it's, um, it's, it is interesting. I mean, I get lots of requests, as you can imagine, for people with uh, with specific insurance experience. And uh, often it's in, in areas that, that insurance either hasn't done or have only started doing very recently. And people are looking for depth of knowledge. It, it's an interesting one that uh, I, I certainly think if there, that there has to be some people who were very much like yourself who know the technology inside out and could pick up the industry but uh you've just got to give them the chance haven't you um so so the first role uh, obviously moved into chubb and i know you were there for for, for a long time as, as, as well so what what did that what did that transition look like and 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 what were the i'm always interested to find what the what the kind of big differences you found moving from banking to, to chubb i mean obviously size of organization is 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 a is a big one but what what, what was that like I found that I'd gone back in time a little, just to be mild about it. There was challenges on um, culture. There was challenges on the technology side. Yeah, I felt like I'd rewound the clock by about 10 years. I think the making that transition as well was understanding how fast-paced banking was in comparison to insurance back then and the criticality of the banking systems to you know the whole nation and people buying houses and, you know, if the mortgage system's not working or the CHAP system's not working, you can't actually make the final trans transaction to buy a house and you're sat in the, in the lorry with all the, with all the furniture. You know, it, it's very real time. You can't get money out of the bank. Um, you can't make those online payments, etc. Insurance, not, not so real time in terms of going into the commercial space. I know you know, the personal lines is um, now fairly real time, but you generally buy your insurance once a year. You might buy your insurance once a month if it's mobile phone insurance, for example. But it's 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 not a critical transaction every single day, and that that was the big difference moving from banking to insurance. So yeah, that was most noticeable. But culture, I think, you know, wow, we have massively accelerated in insurance, you know, on the DE&I, the way we behave to each other, the way we respect each other, and also the investment in technology. I mean, you know, it's still uh, a long way behind, but um, 
I think in the last, you know, five, six, seven years, it's massively accelerated. And it's been really good to sort of be part of that press of the accelerator pedal. So I'd say those were the big differences that I saw, Mark. I totally get what you mean in regards to the, the critical nature of a, of an insurance purchase. If, if if I go to get my car insurance today and, and the website's down or whatever, then then generally speaking, I just come back tomorrow and buy it and it's probably not that not that much of an issue. Um, kind of the large majority of the time, obviously, if I can't make a transaction with my bank account, or I can't get money out of a cash point, that, that's that's a that's a problem. Um, it's, it's, it's almost certainly on the uh, kind of Sky News as the top story as well, so it's, it's kind of high-profile stuff, isn't it? Do, do you think that, that as a concept uh, it has held insurance back in, that, that in the past, in the sense that because it isn't a critical transaction, people have, and, and the systems that are in place work they might not be perfect and they might not be cutting edge but they do still work do you think that's that's kind of been a problem that it's it's kind of just about enough from technology rather than bleeding edge type stuff yeah i think so i think the other thing that um being very noticeable is regulation so banks were far more regulated i think than than insurance companies now you know, the big NatWest uh, technology disaster and uh, more recently the TSB one has really driven extra uh, regulation around operational resiliency and that's where it's come from and that, that you know, is, is also within within insurance now. So I think that drives a different mindset, but for CIOs in terms of their regulatory responsibilities, but also from a board and an exec perspective. Obviously, there still isn't that real-time um, tra- transaction and, and vitality to it from a banking sense, but I think the transition, the transition of the regulation from banking, what banking's learned and what banking's had to experience through some of the big disasters, um, has really has really pushed us uh, in insurance and is you know in the main very welcomed. So, so the so nine or ten years at Chubb. What did that look like towards the end? What kind of roles were you playing then, and and and, and what was the the kind of catalyst to, to moving moving on from there? Yeah. So when I joined Chubb, it was old Chubb, and then two years later, um, Ace came along and we became new Chubb. Uh, my first thoughts were, oh no, here we go again, uh, having just gone through the LTSBH boss uh, merger. My second thoughts were. Excellent. I know how to do this. You know, this is good. And we had a, a couple of years of doing integration work. I then became head of digital for EMEA, which was which was about putting a digital platform together for the SME SME business. And had three years of doing that. And then I moved into the the consumer lines, so the personal line space, um, looking after three different business units across twenty four countries. Those business units were, were were different in their nature in terms of their distribution. One was very broker-driven, one was very affinity and white-labeled driven. So mobile phone insurance, for example, uh, and and the the third one, yes, sold sold through other partners. So I had three or four years of doing that, and then I was starting to think about, you know, what next? Is it one more gig, two more gigs? What do I really want to do with my career? And I was looking for a, a you know smaller smaller organisation. I was looking for a different sort of insurance. So I was looking after the consumer insurance. So you know specialty really piqued my interest. And I had a wonderful opportunity of this being a newly created CIO role. 
So those three things together really led me to um, where I am today, which you know is quite different working for a, an organisation that's uh, you know around six hundred people rather than thirty five thousand people. I still it still feels big and corporate, but um, we 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 certainly can uh, interact with each other a lot easier. And uh, yeah, as I say, newly created CIO role, so that was probably um, the most exciting uh, aspect. What did did you have? Um, because obviously, you, you've had a long career, albeit only with two companies for the bulk of that 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 period. Did you have ambitions at any point throughout that that period to become a CIO? Was that that always the kind of north star, or was or, or were you just kind of going to the because it, it it seems to me you you followed interesting roles where there's kind of interesting stuff to do, change going on, integrations obviously been a big big kind of part of a lot of the stuff you've done, and 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 so. Did did you did you kind of have an ambition to kind of, kind of move into that that the kind of the, the top tech job or was is was that just something that kind of evolved naturally? Well, it evolved naturally, I would say, over the last five years. Um, so you know, prior to that, as you say, I've always sought out the interesting programs, the change programs, the opportunities that give me something different to think about uh, for me to acquire new skills. And I've always had, you know, Linda's crystal ball by my side, which is if I take this role, what what role might it lead on to next? And and that's primarily from a what skills and additional experience am I going to get from the role that I'm doing now that may lead on to, you know, the next role. And, and that wasn't always about um, going upwards. You know, I've done a number of sidewards moves because the topic was interesting. So I... I moved over, um, so it's not always been about uh, the out-and-out career progression. I mean, you can progress your career on many levels. But I'd say over the last four, four or five years, I've always had this this attitude of you run your area like your own business. So, you know, you look after, you look after the people, you look after the relationships, you look after the budgets, you have to put the plans together, you have to monitor where you are today, where you're going, etc. So... I was effectively running every area like my own business. So, you know, different labels and different organisations. But yeah, ultimately, you know, a CIO role is, uh, there are certainly a, a lot of other aspects to it than roles that I've done previously. So, you know, working with the, uh, across the complete exec, working with the board, you know, repairing your board papers, uh, what are you reporting on? educating uh, the organisation on, on various technology topics, uh, making sure technology is front and centre of people's minds. There's other aspects to it, but I did get, I got some exposure to that within within Chubb because I was representing the European CIO on the board. So I was getting that opportunity to be the deputy, which was great. And I suppose um, if I look at my um, life outside of work I've been a trustee on on a medium-sized charity for the last four years so uh, you know operating a, a, on a board in a, in a charity environment is is similar but co- yet quite different from a corporate environment so yeah I, I didn't sit there going I must be a CIO so yeah it, I mean it's a it's a delight to be one and for me, it's it's been an interesting journey to see how my team and the organisation have appreciated that we now have a CIO role. As prior to myself, we didn't. 
So that gives everyone a, a, a lot more exposure from a, um, you know how important technology is to the organisation and that we, that we are having a conversation at the exec and board level that is technology representing technology. Yeah. So you're a year, year and uh, two weeks in now. So how how's the first year been? What have what have the challenges been? Were there any parts of the the role that kind of were I guess were unexpected that you've had, you've had to to get over or like uh, I mean what what's it what's it kind of looked like? And so I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast will be aspiring to be where you've got to. And 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 actually, I think. I, I know from speaking to people and having placed multiple CIOs over the years, the biggest challenge is often getting that first CIO gig. Um, even though actually a lot of places call it completely different roles, and like you've pointed out, you've probably done 70, 80% of the role before. Getting the first, getting someone to take that leap of faith from you to give you that top job is often the difficult part. So I think it'd be really interesting to understand what was different, what the challenges were, what what's good, bad, etc yeah so i think the first thing is the realization that you are the technology boss right so where do you go after that who do you talk to so one of the things that i've noticed that i've done with that in the back of my mind is i've networked more than ever right so i quite often say the more senior you get the more networking you need to do because you need to keep a temperature check on yourself Right, that you're doing the right things. Some of the things that you might be doing too much of, you might be doing too much of the operational low-level detail, and you're not you're not operating uh, sufficiently at the exec level. So, th- so the networking uh, within my peer community uh, across the industry, you know, and some really good people that I've worked with before, but also outside consultancy support as well has all helped to ensure that I am focused on what I need to be but you know any given moment you could be right down in the bits and bytes and then the next minute you're you're at the very strategic level and as human beings I think we tend to we tend to like getting our sleeves rolled up and especially if you come from a background where you started out with oh the exciting stuff is when it goes wrong you know you become very operational and trying to remember to get that balance it's hard when you first start because you need to you need to know the organisation and and you're expected to know it thoroughly. So I need to know how many vulnerabilities have we got. I need to know where we are on SLA. I need to know where we are on our budgets. They're kind of hygiene factors in one sense, but they're hugely important and critical. Some of them are are obviously regulatory stuff. And if you don't care, you could spend all your time focusing on that detail and 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 not operating at uh, the, the more strategic level. And I suppose that's been a big a big learning curve. But what I'm comfortable with, having had the experience that I've got in the past, but it's remembering to balance that out. Yeah, and I guess in in a smaller organisation, that's even easier to get sucked into that, right? Because there's not there's not the teams of a hundred odd people like there would have been at Lloyd's doing that kind of stuff so it's quite I imagine you're you're naturally closer to the people that are doing that that kind of stuff at the coalface but has um so so the 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 kind of challenge that that kind of challenge did because I think it's really interesting what you say about the 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 finding kind of 
mentors stroke peers that are in similar similar boat how have you found that in the in in the industry i know we've got some kind of mutual connections that we, we that we that we know as well but have you found people have been open to that because i, I think for me it's, it certainly is a, a challenge for people to 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 find the right person to kind of be mentored by or to just but bounce some ideas off because i can totally resonate with the fact that suddenly you you would have always had a boss or a senior figure that you could go and have a chat with and, that, and now that 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 person's the CEO or something. He doesn't know anything about technology potentially. So, how, how have you found finding that kind of your 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 kind of group and your 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 kind of clan of people that you can you can kind of use as trusted peers? Well, it's been relatively easy in terms of if you make sure that you attend, you know, the, the appropriate places to go and network. I.e., you know, if somebody's hosting or facilitating an event and there's an interesting topic you will always connect with somebody that, that you would like to have a follow-up conversation on. So I, I think, you know, that's where I've made some new relationships. That's where I've rekindled some relationships that, you know, oh, I haven't seen you for years or let's, you know, let's have a chat. And and they've been, they've been hugely useful. I think also one of the things I really like about working in technology is that we do, we do share stories. So there aren't barriers to us having those conversations. We're not giving trade secrets away. We're generally trying to achieve similar outcomes with with similar technologies. And there are some uh, great opportunities for us to say, look, we went down this route and it didn't work particularly well. Or we went down this route and it worked amazingly well. And and so, you you know, you take note of that and and say thank you and, um, you know, store that away in the back of your mind for when you might be considering those topics. So I really like the fact that we, we can share those conversations as technologists and maybe, you know, from a business perspective, not so much on their side. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, that's a really good point. I think people in technology generally tend to to be quite open about that stuff. Certainly, I found I think the London market type thing helps with that a little bit as well because there's some some serious commonality in in kind of what everyone's trying to do, especially at the moment with kind of Blueprint Two and all that kind of stuff. So that 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 certainly helps. Um, I, I wanted to move on. I, I was going to mention it uh, earlier, but uh, I, I want to come back to it. Really, is when you started, so you finished. You finished your degree, went into Lloyd's. Now, I, I'm making the the the, the drastic assumption, but I, I'm sure I'm probably right that that there weren't too many females in that in that IT technician um, group of fifty odd people that you said. Uh, I might be totally wrong, but uh, it be it will be a first. Um, so how how was that? Uh, the, the last series of the podcast I did was was all about women in tech. We heard loads of stories about the challenges and. Um, that people had and 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 so but I'm always kind of interested in people's journey on that front and 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 kind of moving that more onto where we are now and 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 kind of what we can do to improve that but how, how was that in the early days and, and I guess how have you found it throughout your career I, I'd imagine it's a challenge it's been you've been faced throughout most of it yeah definitely I, I suppose when I when I think back to yeah, when I joined in the late nineties, uh, yeah, I was one of one of twenty um, on a shift, and there was four shifts, and I think there was three women across the those those eighty. So pretty, you know, obviously unsociable hours, et cetera, et cetera. But I wasn't I wasn't conscious of the fact that the workplace looked like that when I was at school. It didn't look like that. My family environment, you know, friends and family didn't look like that. So to then arrive in a work environment where it just didn't look like um, my my 
experience in life up to that point in time, I suppose was a bit about, oh, this is a bit strange. I never, I don't see myself any different. I've never um, knowingly had any uh, negative experiences from a gender perspective throughout my career. It has got a lot better. So it's got hugely better. And I'm going to contradict myself now because in, in one meeting that I was in earlier this year, there were eight um, senior people and there was one one male. And I sat there and I thought, crikey, the world, you know, the world is looking a bit different. And then, and then of course, um, the next so many meetings was, was back to, you know, the, the imbalance that I experience every single day. And I, and I, you know, I took that moment to say, wow, this, this, this is completely turned on its head, but it's, you know, only one reference I can give in over 29 years. But, you know, when I look at, you know, the diversity that we, that we have all around us, um, in in society today and and within our organisations, you know it's it is it is growing. It is growing, and we are seeking to provide opportunities. We have to work much harder to um, open up the fact that you know we were just talking, Mark, about technology, and you know you must have insurance experience. Well, why you you are a, a technologist with those skills? Why, why do we say you have to be from insurers? So if we can open up into some other industries where perhaps gender balance is, is maybe even skewed completely to the other end, um, then it opens up an, a, a more diverse candidate pool. It, and obviously it's not just about gender. There's, there's all sorts of other protected characteristics that actually it, it is great to see that uh, we're getting a better balance. So it has improved. But then I do have moments of crikey, this hasn't this hasn't moved on that much. You know, the more the more uh, senior leaders that we have with a with with more diversity, then more role models people coming through have got. And yeah, I didn't have too many of those through my career. But what I did have, Lloyd's Bank um, had a women's network very early on in my career. So oh, I don't know, probably you know twenty plus years ago. It was really interesting to hear some of the things that I probably didn't even have my eyes open to. Things like, you know, females read job descriptions in a different way than the male brain does to say, yes, I could do these things, but I can't do those things. And, you know, having heard that 20 years ago, every time I read a job description, I talk myself out of it. No, no, don't be that person that reads it that way. Read it and then go, okay, these are the things I can do amazingly well. These things I can do. These things I know. And these things are opportunities and learning opportunities, not I just can't do them. So therefore I won't apply for the role. So I, did, I didn't know my my brain or the female brain worked like that. But being told that 20 years ago was was. As a, made a huge difference in my career because I applied for everything that I quite fancied, you know, and and I've been successful in those applications. Yeah, that's that, that's I, I think that's really interesting. But I was talking to someone uh, more recently about climate buying actually about about that kind of thing, and 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 sometimes I think people focus on the really big problem and try and find a big solution to it. But that 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 what you just said there is I think is relatively common knowledge now about the the way the female brain reads it I, um, but i don't think it's been common knowledge for for years i think it's maybe a couple of years maybe but but it's such a simple thing that actually makes a drastic difference because actually like you you 
rightly pointed out, if 20 years ago people had that knowledge, they would read the job description with a conscious understanding of the fact that actually if they do know 70% of it, then actually they should still apply. Um, so I, I think, yeah, the, 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 the kind of breaking the big problem down into some kind of smaller ones and trying to figure out some smaller solutions is, is where insurance has started to be to do things more successfully on that on that front certainly just awareness around some of it i think is 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 definitely changed um but do, do you think having been in the industry for kind of 10 years or so now do, do you think there is uh definitely a, a, a kind of a conscious understanding of the need for diversity not not just for a for quotas sake but actually just to run a successful business from the kind of top down, have you have you seen have you seen that in in kind of real time, or do you, do you still think there's some work to go on the, on that front? No, no, definitely, uh, it's something that we work on in Orwesling Hard, or you know at, at Chaucer, and you know our diversity and gender stats have been massively improving, and you know I'm I'm proud to be born of those stats. It filters down to make sure that we embrace and give opportunities for people to feel comfortable in, in the environment and feel comfortable to put themselves forward to say, hey, I'd, I'd like to apply for that job or I have applied for that job. So, yeah, there's always going to be some laggards in, in any industry, but um, I, I think that, you know, the diversity that, that we do have is is definitely improving and and you know I, I look at age as well and I, I look around at my IT colleagues and and think well there's a lot of people that are, are my age you know we, we've had a, a very poor middle gap where we haven't taken on uh, graduates and trainees and I'm talking generically across the technology industry and that's really starting to um, open up as well i've got my second data apprentice so apprenticeships you know fantastic giving people opportunities at you know 17 18 years old when i look back on it i would i would perhaps have taken that rather than go to university because i was wanting to know how the world worked i was wanting to to work and I didn't feel like that there was those sort of options back when I was making those decisions. So injecting um, uh, those opportunities for uh, graduate and apprenticeships will will help because um, the world looks a bit different then. Yeah, and you mean I, I think you're right, and I think the the other thing is is that the pace of change. I've certainly noticed that the pace of change has uh, is gradually increasing with the more people that with more people that have a a diverse thought process around hiring people and the types of people they can hire naturally the pace of change will will skyrocket over the next few years so because obviously people leave the industry that retire that maybe didn't have quite diverse thinking and 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 it's it, it's a kind of snowball effect isn't it so hopefully it's uh it's certainly on the on on the on the route to improvement i, I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the, the the a little bit about chaucer now and what's on your agenda but also the kind of insurance industry as a whole obviously you you you've would have seen the sector kind of change quite quite drastically over the last 10 11 years or so i would imagine um what, what what's the kind of big thing on the agenda for you when when you started at chaucer what was the the kind of big mission that 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 you, you undertook and kind of how are you guys getting on with that now yeah so um it's it's data cloud digital you know some people might think that all of those are you know the same thing but actually you know they are they are separate but not mutually exclusive 
So you know, making some really big inroads in in the data and and the and the cloud space, um, also on the digital space. So you know, executing on those at pace. I think there's you know some uh, real big foundational elements that uh, um, organisations across the specialty market. Um, those those three particular topics are are certainly being pushed on all fronts um, by by all of the carriers. They are they are vital to sustain the growth and demand that we see as an industry. Yeah, it's it's really exciting to to come in. Some of those were well formed and well shaped, and some of them you know we've been shaping over the last um, year or year or so. So that's what that's what's in front of me, and and you know what I landed in as well. So. What, what about the industry as a whole? What, what do you see the kind of the big challenges for the sector, for the kind of London market sector over from a tech perspective over, over the coming years? I'd say it's adaptability. So with that, I mean, we need to be able to integrate and adapt as, as others integrate and adapt around us. So, you know, API connectivity into, into various distribution channels, various means of um, delegating our business just operating as a market really that we get the the straight through processing we get the flow of information we get the flow of the data that's what that's what we're all going to be experiencing over over well it's already happening but over you know the the coming years to then really be a digital marketplace completely what what about it? But from from a kind of I always like to get uh, you've given some brilliant ones uh, already and uh, and and it's often the way. But you, you you touched a little bit about kind of apprentices to ships and and bringing young people into the sector, which I, I think is kind of everyone agrees is something that that the insurance industry haven't done well in the past and 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 need to do better. What 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 advice would you give to kind of young people now about and, and and kind of around getting into insurance what why they should kind of join it and 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 how they should kind of position their their career moving into it it's things similar to what i've lived my my life by which is you know be brave take a chance take a risk um on you know well that job sounds that job sounds good but i'm not quite sure you know is it really going to be the right thing for me and if it isn't change it right there's no there's no um disgrace in that um you have the opportunity to because there are so many opportunities you know uh, it, we we don't enter insurance and banking these days thinking it's a job for life hopefully people are entering into the industry thinking you know, it's a lifetime of opportunity rather than one particular um, company or one particular job. So you know, got to got to have a you got to have be brave, right? So otherwise, otherwise you'll never push yourself forwards. You'll never you'll never be you'll never be at that opportunity. You might not be brave enough to talk to the person at the networking drinks in the office, but if you do, you might find out that they're about to start a really exciting project that you'd love to be involved in. So. I think it's about being being brave, and we have to continue to be brave in you know all the way through our careers. Just because you know if you've got a C in front of your title doesn't mean that you're not you're not still working on being brave. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great advice. Um, and and what you I mean that this may be similar similar kind of question, but what what about advice? I mean, you've mentioned a few kind of that you've uh, I'm sure you've had some mentors when you were in more junior roles, and 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 obviously some some peers now that, that have kind of helped you and, and, and I'm sure acted as sounding board. What, what, what are some of the best bits of advice you've had throughout your career along that, that thing? Obviously, the, 
the be brave thing is uh, is definitely a good one. But are there any others that you've had either more when you're in the early stage of career or more or more recently? Well, no, my, at the early stage of my career was um, keep your CV up to date. Now, from this podcast, you'll know, you know, I've not moved around an awful lot, but I have changed roles um, every three, four years. And in order to do that, I've been able, I've, been, I've kept my CV up to date. So when those opportunities arrive, I'm like, yep, there's my CV. I know it's up to date. I know, I know it's good. I haven't got to spend all night sweating over, oh my God, what did I do five years ago? I can't remember. Um, I've got big gaps in my memory. Can't remember. It's not written down. So keeping my CV up to date was, um, and I, I think that came from the, the early engagement with uh, the Women's Network in Lloyd's you know, 20 years ago. And, I, and I've always done that. And I have always felt quite smug when I've had the opportunity to be putting my CV in because it's like, excellent. I didn't have to, you know, lose my whole weekend by trying to remember what the heck I've been doing over, you know, the last X number of years. So you know, that one has definitely stood me in good stead, you know, and I, I, I still do that to, to this day. One of the other um, pieces of, of advice is, you know, pe- people value for your exp- experience and not for your ability to, to work hard. And I took a long time to think about that, thinking, well, what, is that, what does that actually mean? And I think that's, you know, respecting the, what you know about your subject uh, in yourself, and that people see that in you, that they respect you for your experience. And, and you don't have to be sweating over emails at midnight all the time just, just to prove that you're who you are and, and what, what you know. Yeah, you I mean, I think uh, that CV one that you mentioned is a really interesting because it, it seems so basic, but someone we both know actually gave me the advice uh, not so long ago that, uh, that, that kind of you, you should always be not necessarily kind of actively applying for jobs, but you should always be kind of ready for for, 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 for something like that or always keeping your eyes out, especially when you get to a, a senior level because you, you never really know when something might go wrong at your current place or that, that something that, like the chores have come up and, and, and they've got a CIO role and they need to move quickly or whatever it might be to, to kind of always check those checks and balances. And I think, yeah, keep, keeping your CV up to date, not, not only makes you realize what you have done and remind yourself of it but means that you can kind of move fast when when the opportunity arises uh, if, if only every every candidate that i ever dealt with was was like you linda the, the, the my job would be a lot easier but so look i, I think we, we're coming towards the, the end of the podcast now um i i always uh at the end i always ask the kind of standard uh questions and then we have a bit of a, a kind of uh, quick fire round for a bit of fun um wh- one of the ones i always like to ask people is um what is the best thing about being behind your desk right now? I think it's all about growing the people, attracting new talent, and the amount of excitement and buzz that there is around, you know, what what technology can do for for the for the market. It's it's a great time. It's a great time to be here. I can feel lots and lots of momentum. I see lots of momentum, and that's that's a nice window into the future. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think insurance is. It's really at a kind of tipping point, isn't it? It's uh, I think the next five, ten years is going to be going to be big. Um, so the next one, it, it kind of leads on nicely to that. Is what what is it you love about the insurance space? You've been you've been in it for ten or eleven years or so now. There, mu- there must be at least one or two things. <laughs> well, well, one of the things I love is the variety. So the variety of the products, um, the variety of the markets that we operate in, 
the way that we distribute our, our goods and services, if you like, um, and sell our products. It's hugely uh, complex, which it, somewhat for someone like me, I enjoy. I love finding out about uh, new products. Barely a month goes past, and I go, "Oh, oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't realize we did, we did that." Or you know, another company does that, and we work with them on it. Um, so the the variety is uh, it is really fascinating. Amazing. So quick fire round. So the first question is. What is the one piece of technology you couldn't live without? Well, I've, I've realised it's actually Alexa. And this is because a lot of my lights in the house, I control by asking Alexa to switch them on and off. And then when she went wrong and I couldn't find my phone, I'd obviously left it in the garden or somewhere, I could not control the lights in the house. So, yeah. I, uh, I actually uh, appreciate her a little bit more and talk to her a little bit more politely after I couldn't switch on, on any of the lights in the house. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Uh, I, I have to admit, that was one of the things that kind of technology advanced I never thought would, to, would, would catch on. I just didn't think it would ever work properly. But now I've got it in my house. It, it, it is an absolute game changer when you're, uh, when you're kind of dimming the lights and all that kind of stuff. I mean, who, who would have thought that I didn't want to touch the light switch? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be such an issue. But it's just my, my, a minor improvement, but, but actually when you get used to it, it makes, makes a big difference. The second one is, which brand or company do you really admire and why? So I'm, I'm going to give you a selection of companies, but it's the companies that, that become a verb. So, you know, Hoover. Well, we do hoovering, um, we don't do vacuuming. We Skype, we Zoom, we Google it, maybe we'll AI it in, in the future. Those, those companies have, um, you know, pretty much changed, changed the face of the world, really, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Google's massive with that, isn't it? No, no, it's just uh, that's definitely the, the, the one I explain the Hoover especially as well. I call it that as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's uh, that's a good one. L- next one, what's the uh, your favourite business related book? Well, I went to the bookshelf and I found two of them. Right, so one's called Beyond the Boys Club, which I read a very long time ago, twenty plus years ago, and uh, that was a fascinating insight. Um, so that relates to what we were talking about, and and I think this is a this is pretty much a popular one amongst the CIOs, um, the Phoenix Project. So yeah, I don't get so much time to sit and read them these days, but um, I dip in and dip out on uh, on various various topics. What what are those? Very quickly, what are those two about? I've not come across either of them. Beyond the Boys Club is strategies for achieving career success as a woman and again this is working in a male dominated environment i read it about 20 years ago and as i said i found that going into a male dominated working environment was just like a little bit alien to be honest it doesn't matter whether you're you're female or male or or what it this is this is a good career book and to, to cope with that this is all about working with your business the IT disasters and how you overcome them and how you become a better organisation. And I think uh, Rebecca Wormsley, CIO of Lloyd's, also recommended this one. And because it, it's written, it's written as a story. It's written as a novel rather than a, a management book as such. So yeah, it's a long time since I picked them up, but uh, I do occasionally just open them up at a chapter and read it and go, yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah, yeah, just a bit there. I like books like that where you can just kind of open up bits and remember it pretty quick, pretty quickly. The next one is favourite film or TV series. More than welcome to have one of each if you uh, if you want to. I'm just going to go straight for a film. It's uh, Officer and a Gentleman, and specifically the scene where uh, Richard Gere comes in and sweeps Deborah Winger off her feet and takes her away from um, being in the factory. The reason I'm very connected to that is before I got my first grown-up job at Lloyd's, um, I was working in a factory sticking on bows as things went past on the conveyor belt and thinking about, would my then-boyfriend, now-husband, please come and sweep me off my feet? <laughs> yeah, here's what do the Richard Gale yeah. moment, yeah. 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 The next one is, if you weren't a technology leader, what would you have been? I'd love to have been a tree surgeon or a florist. Wow, a tree surgeon. Okay, explain. They're going to need a little bit more context there. Obviously, into to the floristry thing, I can understand. Yeah, I love being outside, spend a huge amount outside. I love working with wood. So I don't do any refined woodworking, but, uh, you know, if I get some hammer and nails and build something out of an old pallet or something, I, I love doing that at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, trees, uh, they're beautiful to look at. They provide us with some beautiful beautiful things as a result of the wood yeah i'm not sure i could shinny up a tree quite as well these days but uh those are the sort of things that uh completely the opposite from what i do now yeah 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 it's often the way to be honest the amount of people that i've had some uh some definitely some ones that i wouldn't have predicted um and then the final one is um uh, who is your number one role model or person you admire i spent ages thinking about this one because i don't pick one person out um no. i think it's a it's a set of um values behaviors and you know i look at my mum, i look at my sister-in-law i look at um, various other other people i think the the people that i admire are those that have segued their, their careers into something completely different and been hugely successful there's there's one one lady that I work with in the city in terms of I volunteered to do some mentoring. She was a broker, and then she set up um, a, a network and mentoring and personal development organisation called the Insurance Breakfast Club. Working with um, junior females, and I've been helping to mentor uh, within that. And I just admire that uh, you know when you turn it when you decide to make quite a big career change that's when you need to be brave. So, yeah, I, I'm i not going to pick one, Mark. It's too difficult. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's a really good answer. Um, well, look, that brings us to the end. So, so first of all, thank you again so much for taking the time out. I know you're really busy. We're getting to that kind of busy time at the end of the year as well. So thank you very much for taking the time out to, to speak to us. I mean, off the back of this, I'm sure there'll be some people that want to reach out, maybe even interested in the kind of mentorship around that breakfast club type thing or anything. Like that. Are, you, are, you, are you happy for people to connect with you on kind of LinkedIn and reach out if they, sure. they want to get to know you or, or know, know a bit more about what's going on in Chaucer, etc.? Is that the best way via LinkedIn? Yeah. Well, look, as I say, again, thank you very much. Um, everyone, thank you for listening again. Um, we're, we're rattling through season three now, plenty more episodes to come. And uh, and yeah, Linda, good luck for the, the rest of the year. I'm sure we'll, we'll speak again soon. Cheers. Cheers thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas. If you like the episode, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, like in a comment and even better please share with your friends and colleagues 
If you have any suggestions for future guests or other areas you'd like me to explore, it would be great to hear them. Behind the Desk is powered by Eames Consulting, part of the Eames Group. You can find out more about us at eamesconsulting.com. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to catching up with you again next time.